I want to cover something just a little bit different tonight that I think might help you a little bit. Now, everybody knows that Jesus Christ is the prophet, the priest, and the king. The prophet, priest, and the king. Sometime when you read a verse that talks about he was um, baptized by John. And you wonder, well, why was Jesus baptized? Was he a sinner? Oh, he got baptized to wash his sins away. Well, you know, that doesn't make any sense, does it? And then it talks about there's three that bears witness, the Holy Spirit, the blood, the water. And these three are one. Oh, boy. You know, there's a lot of things in the scriptures that's just not easy to explain. But I want to try to give you a, an idea of what it means for him when he says that he was a high priest and tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And you and I now are so, we're supposed to be like priests. But that's a go-between. Somebody, you know, here's a person and there's the Lord and a preacher is like a mediator that kind of brings people to the Lord and represents somebody to the Lord. And uh, so God uses all of us. And we have a ministry. But I want to kind of show you a few things about our high priest, Jesus Christ himself. So I want you to take your Bible and turn to the Old Testament, to the book of Exodus chapter 29. Exodus and chapter 29. Now, you know, you have a lot of things in the Old Testament that talks about some of these things that you can get lost as you're trying to maneuver your way around some of these Old Testament scriptures. And some books, it's a lot of repetition and so-and-so begot and so-and-so begot and so-and-so forgot and everybody forgot. And uh, it's hard to keep these things in mind of just exactly what the uh, Lord's talking about and and some of the things don't look like it makes any sense to us, so it's easy to pass right over them. Because, you know, that was to Israel. It was, um, you know, about the tabernacle. And uh, we don't have a tabernacle. So all the things in Leviticus, which was really descriptive of all the ministerial work that the tribal Levi had to do. And so there's just a, you know, a lot of these things that might be a little on the confusing side. So... Look there in Exodus in chapter 29. And notice there in verse 1. Exodus 29, verse 1. And it talks about the priesthood. And Aaron was supposed to be the, you know, the, the chief priest, the head priest. And it was his family and his sons that was going to take the, the office. And he says in verse 1, And this is the thing that thou shalt do unto them to hallow them. And you ought to underline this in your Bible, to minister unto me in the priest's office. So there was a, a system. God always does everything decently and in order. And so this is what they were supposed to do concerning the priest's order. And they had certain animals they were to offer and sacrifices and so forth, all these things. Verse 2, talking about the unleavened bread and the flour and all that stuff and the, the wafers. Just a lot of different things. And all of it really means a lot. In most cases, uh, most of it is a reference to Jesus Christ in one way or the other. You take the whole tabernacle and you can just about find everything in there uh, talking about Christ. But now look in verse 4 when he says, And Aaron 
and his sons thou shalt bring unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and shalt wash them with water. Now, that little phrase, wash them with water, you would underline that little phrase, because we'll, I'll refer back to it in just a moment. And because this was what was to be done to sanctify a person of the a line of Aaron that were to be ministers as priests in the tabernacle and their responsibilities. So he says in verse 4 that they were to be washed and cleansed and so on. Uh, then you'll notice in uh, verse 7, look in verse 7, where it says, Then shalt thou take the anointing oil. So there was the, the washing and then there was the anointing oil. Now, when we study the scriptures, we believe that the oil was a, well, it was kind of like the Holy Spirit. And uh, when it talks about we have an anointing, because we have received the Holy Spirit. Not so much that somebody came along like Samuel, and we were Saul, and they anointed us with oil, or with David, and poured oil on them. But we did receive the Holy Spirit. So we have been anointed by the Lord for the priestly work. For the work. Someone who intercedes on the behalf of others. This is why you find in the Gospel of John, especially, about praying for one another, loving one another, and going to the throne of grace in the book of Hebrews in chapter 4 uh, for one another. We're supposed to do this for one another. Then by the time you get to Hebrews chapter 10, let us, let us, let us. And so there's many things. Let us draw near and all these things for the sake of other people. So there's a responsibility that we have. So up there in verse 7, Then shalt thou take the anointing oil and pour it upon his head and anoint him. So this was the beginning of their ministry. Now take your Bible and look in the book of Numbers. And in the book of Numbers in chapter 4, Numbers in chapter 4, and look there in verse 1. Verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, Take the sum of the sons of Kohath from among the sons of Levi, after their families, by the house of their fathers. And verse 3, you need to underline verse 3. From 30 years old and upward, even unto 50 years old, all that enter into the host to do the work in the tabernacle of the congregation. So this was uh, telling them they begin when they're about 30 years old. And they go until they're about 50 years old. Now that sounds like a pretty good you know, retirement plan. 20 years, you know, that's not bad. But now we're talking about these that were going to do the priestly work. So how old were they when they were to begin? About 30 years of age. Now, take your Bible and go to the book of Matthew in chapter 4. The book of Matthew in chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, and notice there in verse 1. Whoever is going to be this priest has to be someone who is also a spotless priest. He was to make an offering for himself before they could go into the Holy of Holies. And then they had to offer one for the sins of the people. 
So they were to go within the veil, and hopefully they would come out alive, and not have to be drug out. But the only problem was that when that priest went into there, and he came out, his ministry wasn't forever. And when he died, another one took over. And when he died, another one took over. So every one of the line of Aaron lived, served, died. And so therefore, they had to continually have a lot of them. But they never offered a sacrifice that would be sufficient for all time. It was always limited. They did it once every year. And with them, they couldn't do it for the future. They did it for the past. Now, there is another thing that you can understand, and we'll get to it one of these days when we talk about the ashes of the red heifer, which wasn't so much as for the past sins, but they would keep those ashes perpetually, which was used for future sins. And I believe it's a reference to eternal life and the payment Christ would make that would be once and for all. But those were the, only the ashes from the, the red heifer, which is another thing altogether. But what I wanted you to see here, in chapter 4, when he was going to begin his service, about how old was Jesus when he began his ministry? Isn't that just a coincidence that he was about 30 years of age? And so, as he begins his ministry, remember, Jesus Christ must be tempted in all points like as we are, and yet without sin. Now, here in verse 1, we have this taking place. Now, there was a lot of things that happened, but this is where the devil really got a hold of him and wanted to cause him to sin by, hey, look, you haven't, you haven't had anything to eat for 40 days. You sure must be hungry. And he probably showed them a big old picture of a pork chop, some drumsticks. But he tempted him, and he says, if you're who you claim to be, just command these stones to be made bread. And you can eat the bread. If you're who you claim to be, could Jesus have done that? He could, he could make bread out of, out of our stone. So he says here in verse 1, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. If you and I are going to be worth anything as a, a priest of the Lord we will have to be tested. We have to pass trials and tribulations. We have to know what people go through in order to be sympathetic so that we can say we have been tempted just like they have. And in some cases, we have failed just like they have. We've messed up just like they have. But you still need to get up and keep going in spite of all of those failures that we've had. Because, you see, you're able to, by all the experiences that you go through, able to minister to people and to help people, to intercede for people, so that you don't get too high and mighty. God seems like there's always something to kind of humble us, something that comes along that teaches us you don't know it all, and you're no big shot. And so God has a ways of, it's called a ways and means committee. And it works pretty good. Now, I think also while we're right here in these scriptures, 
Uh, look there in Matthew in chapter 3. Matthew in, in chapter 3 and look in verse 13. It makes a statement here in verse 13. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee. And comest thou to me? But remember, as the priests work under the law, Christ did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. He has to be cleansed just like those priests did back there in the book of Exodus. And then be about the same age as he begins his work. Now, we won't understand all of it, but just kind of get an idea that he has to also, in beginning his work, there is the water, and this is a testimony that I believe is used a little bit later, and I'll show you that. So he says here in verse 15, And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. As a man, he has to still do the things that a man has to do. And so that's what they had to do if they were a priest. But remember, the Bible says that Jesus was not a priest after the order of Aaron, but of another guy with a long, fancy name. Anybody know his name? Melchizedek. Now that's in chapter 7 of the book of Hebrews, and we'll look at that in just a moment. Then it says there in verse 16, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were open unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. Now, I believe that this is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So he's beginning his ministry. And then when he talks about he has to be tempted in all points like as we are. And you go back to the book of Genesis and you'll find out how the devil tempted Eve. You'll find that also mentioned in the book of 1 John in chapter 2 where it talks about the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Those same three things he offers to Jesus Christ. That rock, turn it into bread. Wouldn't that look good? Wouldn't it taste good? And the same thing about the kingdoms of the world, the pride and all that is what you can have. And fall down and just worship me and just think of what you could have and so forth. So there's so much. And yet he says, if you're who you claim to be, why don't you go ahead and just take a step off that little edge of the pinnacle there. And the angels, why, they won't let you just stub your toe. They won't let you get hurt. But isn't that tempting the Lord thy God? I'm not going to try that. If you want to try that, you can try that. I'm not going to try that. So there is the ministry that Jesus has to have. And remember, he has to be a spotless lamb. He has to be examined. So for the next three and a half years, everybody that came along, every question they asked, everything he did, everywhere he went, all the healing, the miracles, everything he did was proving his credibility. This is who he is. And he is without spot. And they find no fault in him. So they were able to take this little lamb, this sheep, and examine it for three and a half years. And it was a fitting lamb.
to die. Remember, when they brought the lambs, they were to be spotless lambs. Nothing wrong with them that God said that they would use. So it's here, and I believe it's important, but look in verse 17 of chapter 3 where it says, And God looked over the banister of heaven, and he says, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. God the Father saw nothing wrong in this little lamb. So by the time at the beginning of his ministry, when John the Baptist saw him, when he came that day, says, Behold the, what? Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. So they knew what it was for. Now, take your Bible and turn to the book of Luke. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3. And I don't believe these are just, you know, coincidence that he uh, did these certain things and what was required of a priest. But you'll notice when he says here in verse 21, look at verse 21. Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heavens were opened. And then the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son. In thee I am well pleased. In thee I am well pleased. That's almost exactly what we just read over there in the other scripture. But the following verse has something additional that wasn't mentioned over there, but it's mentioned here. And look in verse 23. Jesus himself began to be about, well, slap my mouth. Ain't that awesome? This is the beginning of his ministry, which was what the priest was required, and the sequence is exactly the same. You see, Jesus was to be our high priest. And so it says here, being as was supposed the son of Joseph, but it says, Jesus began to be about 30 years of age. So that's what the scripture says, and I believe that it's awesome. So this is why when you read certain places of this happening, and it seems like there's no reason for that. But yes, there is. All the word of God, there is a reason, and there is a purpose, and it's so important. Look in Hebrews in chapter 4 now. Hebrews in chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. And remember this. When you read the Gospel of John, and in chapter 1, uh, when he says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So the Word was God, and God became flesh. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, when he talks about God manifested in the flesh, God manifested in the flesh. So we know that Jesus Christ was God. And so when he talks about in the book of 1 John in chapter 4 and verse 1, try the spirits for any spirit or any teaching that says Jesus Christ did not come in the flesh, that is not of God. And I was telling the college kids, the Jehovah's Witnesses, they're teaching Jesus did not come that way, and he's not God. He is God. So therefore, the scripture says, if anybody says that it's not true, it is not of God. 
So what they teach, it's not of God. The Christian science, which is like grape nuts flakes. It's not grape and it's not nuts. It's not Christian. It's not science. And they teach that Jesus didn't come that way. They don't believe he was who he claimed to be. So they don't believe it. They separate, here's Jesus and here's Christ. Jesus was just the man. But Jesus was not Christ. Christ was just the idea. So, of course, when Mary was going to have a baby, she, had, uh, she gave birth to an idea. So it is a ridiculous teaching. There is no sin. And older people really love the teaching of Christian science for the simple reason. They don't have to worry about hell because there is no hell. Did away with that. And that there is no sin, so therefore we're not doing anything wrong. And there's no such thing as death, so we're not going to die. We just think we're getting sick, and we just think we're dead. We're not really dead. We just think we're dead. So they all die, evidently, of mental problems, which I can test to that. But now, here in verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest, that means a present ministry. This is what goes on now. We have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but here in this world he took upon a body. And he lived as a man. And he was a perfect man. And he was tempted in all points like as we, and yet without sin. There's always the question whether or not could he have sinned? And of course some people say, well, he couldn't have sinned because he was God. Can my old sinful nature sin? Well, yes, I got a sinful nature. Can my new nature, my new birth, can it sin? It can't sin. Because it's born of an incorruptible seed. So, it's difficult for us to truly understand, could he or could he not have? And this is a discussion and a debate that goes on and on and on. There's no end to it. But he says, in all points, like as we, yet without sin. And because of this, we can go boldly to the throne of grace because there's somebody there who understands. He was actually here. He lived here. He knows what life is all about. He knows what suffering is like. He knows what it's like to be hurt. He knows what it's like to be rejected. He knows what it's like to have everybody walk away from him. He knows what it's like to be spit on and beat up. He knows what it's like to be killed. There isn't anything you can go through. He knows what it's like. And people slandered him, lied about him, all kinds of things. So yes, and yet with all of that, he still never sinned. Now me, if I was here, I'd have slapped a few of them around a little bit first. But, he says, that's why you and I can go boldly to the throne of grace. Now, look there in chapter 7. Chapter 7. So Jesus Christ, in order to be a, a high priest, could not be a high priest after the order of Aaron because they were flesh that lived and died and lived and died and lived and died. And they had to make a sacrifice for themselves and then for the sins of the people. Well, Jesus was not a sinner. He didn't have to make a sacrifice for himself. And the reason that he is of a different line 
is because of the power of an endless life. You see, look what that says in verse 16 of chapter 7. Who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, talk about made a priest, but in your underline is after the power of an endless life. There is power in having eternal life. It means he'll never die. It means that when he offered up his blood upon the altar, his blood was incorruptible blood, and you don't need any more. All the other blood was corruptible blood from the bulls and the goats and all the animals. It's always corruptible. And so what do you do now if that's all you had? Well, then you've got to keep offering more sacrifices because you just had some fresh sins. You need some fresh blood. Fresh sins, more fresh blood. But when Jesus died, he enters into the tabernacle which is in heaven and offers his blood, which is incorruptible blood, eternal blood, and it's just as fresh today as it was when it flowed in his veins. That's my humble opinion anyway. And I believe it's based upon scripture, and it was precious blood. Now look there in verse 1. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, now if you go back to the book of Genesis you will not find who his parents were. You don't find out when he was born. You don't find out where he died. You don't even know where he came from. But Salem was generally the place of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the city of peace. Today it's been the city of pieces for about 3,000 years. But one day Jerusalem will be the place of peace. But that's where Abraham met him and paid tithes unto Melchizedek. So even though Abraham, before he ever had his children and on down the line, the whole nation of Israel, he paid tithes to Melchizedek when he met him. And so Israel paid tithes through Melchizedek because of what he did. And that's mentioned up there in the scriptures here. You see there in verse 9? And so I may say, Levi also, who received tithes, paid tithes in Abraham. For he was yet in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met Abraham. Well, doggy. You know, there's a lot of things in God's word that's a little difficult sometimes to understand. But he makes this statement there in verse 2. To whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. First, being by interpretation king of get this, righteousness. And after that was also king of Salem, which is king of peace. Without father, without mother, without descent, nobody after him. Having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God. Abideth a priest continually. So, he was going to be a priest like that. Not like Aaron or his line. 